You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. After being involved in a traffic accident with one earlier in the week, Keir Starmer develops a thirst for the blood of cyclists and immediately sets upon Jeremy Corbyn. Environment Minister George Eustace says it is too early to say what Covid rules will be in place at Christmas. Given the government's track record, they'll probably be leaked by Matt Hancock at 10pm on Christmas Eve. Seven Trump supporters are hospitalised after being left out in the cold following a rally in Nebraska proving that the best way to preserve a turkey voting for Christmas is to freeze it. And finally, Kanye West buys Kim Kardashian a hologram of her dead father Robert as a 40th birthday present, and remarkably, it still has more actual substance to it than any of his daughter's personalities. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to IC News, the only network that carefully stacks the sponges of fact, opinion, integrity and credibility before slicing them neatly into the Battenberg of news. You're welcome, Britain. Now shut up and eat it. Nana's trying to watch Countdown. We're the only cable news network with access to a dimensional gate, meaning that you don't just get the hottest stories from here on Earth Prime. You also get the news from across the multiverse – If there's a parallel Earth with something to tell us about the current events back home, we'll gleefully put our correspondents in mortal danger by taking the risk of scattering their atoms across the ether as they hop between worlds. Frankly, it's an HR nightmare, but the benefit of incredibly lax labour laws on a whole range of worlds adjacent to our own means that we've got an infinite pool of journalists to recruit from. Over the course of the show, we've burned through 18 Rob Mulhollands already, which makes our latest incarnation the perfect candidate to report on the most controversial story of the week. This week saw the long-awaited publication of the Equality and Human Rights Commission's report into the way Labour under Jeremy Corbyn handled complaints of anti-Semitism. It went down like a turd in a punch bowl and immediately reopened Labour's still gaping factional wounds. Keir Starmer rushed to appear contrite, apologising for the report's findings and insisting that Labour were willing to accept them and enact the EHRC's recommendations in full. Corbyn himself suggested that the report showed that perception of the party's problem with anti-Semitic conduct had been exaggerated and that party bureaucracy had stalled his attempts to improve the complaints process. The end result of Corbyn's comments, perceived as a direct contradiction of Starmer's statement, was the astonishing suspension of a former leader of the opposition from the party he's been a member of for decades. For a full dissection of the EHRC's report, we now go to our perpetually disposable correspondent, Rob Mulholland. 
Uh, I'd love to say thanks, Sam, but it would sound less sincere than the apology Kanye West offered Taylor Swift. I'm Rob19, and I cannot stress enough just how thoroughly ungrateful I am to have been handed this story. It's an absolute fucking nightmare for a man politically left of centre like me. If I had a comment section, I'd be locking it down tighter than a fleshlight in a G-clamp, which, by the way, is really the only way to enjoy that particular piece of equipment. Look, I've been locked down for months, by the way. Don't judge me. It was the report that we've all been waiting months for. The EHRC's investigation into anti-Semitism in Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party has been delayed more times than cyberpunk, and it's had a similar effect on the levels of fury exploding online. Tories have been throbbing through their trousers in anticipation of a nice cudgel with which to bludgeon the opposition for a while now, and fuck me, have they been gifted a blinder. But before I even think about discussing any of this, I'm just going to set out how I plan to negotiate this political fucking minefield. There's absolutely no way I'm leaving myself open to accusations of anti-Semitism, so for the sake of this report, I'm separating criticism of the Israeli state and discussion of the EHRC's investigation completely. Legitimate criticism of Israel is protected under political free expression, and the EHRC's report actually makes that perfectly clear. I'm just going to avoid putting my foot in it entirely. In fact, I'm so confident that you can talk about anti-Semitism within the Labour movement without even mentioning Israel that I've hooked myself up to a generator. As soon as I flip this switch, I'll be hit with 10,000 volts the moment Israel even passes my lips. I'm not doing it out of cowardice, I'm doing it to prove that it's actually very easy to discuss this story without engaging in needless whataboutery and raising the spectre of lazy racist tropes. And if I can do it, it's really not so much to ask that Ken Livingston manages it too. There we go. Oh god, this is gonna suck, I can feel it. There's really no other way to say it. The EHRC's report was pretty fucking damning. Labour have been found responsible for unlawful acts of harassment and indirect discrimination. Investigators also found a worrying level of political interference into the way complaints were being handled. Whilst it's important to point out that the report acknowledges that improvements were being made to Labour's procedures, these weren't moving quickly or efficiently enough. And this was despite repeated investigations like the Chakrabarti inquiry making clear recommendations that were then too slow to be implemented. What's interesting, however, is where the responsibility for those delays truly lies. The Chakrabarti report itself was often painted as a whitewash of Corbyn's failures when it first came out, but this EHRC report is broadly supportive of its findings and recommendations. Corbyn himself tried to enact much of it, but he encountered factional resistance from within his own party. But that doesn't mean there weren't serious problems elsewhere. The EHRC report also reached the troubling conclusion that many complaints about anti-Semitic conduct either weren't investigated at all or weren't recorded properly. Until 2018, it was party policy that merely sharing or liking questionable content online automatically didn't warrant further action under Labour's disciplinary procedures. That's a pretty alarming stance for a political party to take when considering that social media can be an absolute binfire of anti-Semitic conspiracy theory at the best of times. There's plenty of downright racist shit on Facebook that would get any one of us fired from voluntary work at a charity shop if we hit share on it. The fact that the Labour Party didn't even see that sort of social media conduct as a problem until 2018 is genuinely maddening. 
In the context of the wider report, it's clear that the EHRC are calling out a collective failure of leadership from Team Corbyn, rather than singling out the man himself, which is why the memes and I stand with Corbyn hashtags aren't particularly helpful in acknowledging that this isn't a one-man issue, but a systemic failure of the party as a whole to get any kind of grip on this scandal. They didn't fail because the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn was an institutionally racist endeavour. They failed because legitimate complaints were downplayed by party agents in a manner that was far from helpful. Complaints were not handled in a manner free from political bias or interference, and the complaints procedure itself was woefully inadequate and under-resourced. The question is whether Starmer's going to run with these criticisms as a direct failure of Corbyn's leadership, or actually try and make a sincere attempt to address the damaging factional opposition he has faced to his attempts to implement the recommendations on the Chakrabarti report. It's going to be difficult for Labour to douse the political firestorm that the EHRC's report has ignited, and the route Starmer takes now is going to decide whether those on the left that supported Corbyn end up fucking off Labour forever. The end result of that would be the worst Tory party in living memory ruling over a knackered post-Brexit Britain for a generation. If anti-Semitism and petty factionalism continues to tear the opposition apart, the threat of that happening is very real. Wait, what the fuck? I, d I said is very real. No, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I didn't say Israel. Oh, fucking hell. Shit, why did I strap myself in? I'm Rob19 and I really didn't think this through. Reporting for IC News. It's not just here in Britain that the threat of a right-wing political dynasty looms large on the horizon. Later this week, Americans will head to the polls to decide their next president. Early voting turnout appears to indicate that Trump v Biden is set to be one of the largest electoral battles America has ever witnessed in terms of voter participation. On paper, you'd think that's a marvellous testament to the power of the democratic process. Unfortunately, Republicans under Trump appear to be developing a distinctly novel interpretation of the very concept of democracy. With the latest on the 2020 presidential race, here's Alison June-Smith. Hold on to your dicks, everyone. There's less than a week to go, and America is in for one hell of a ride. It won't be long now until the world finds out just what it can expect from the next four years of American leadership. As it currently stands, the national polls are still indicating a clear advantage for the Democratic challenger, Joe Biden. But the race is much tighter in some of the swing states that could yet decide the outcome of the election. There's a lot that could happen. And if you think a Trump loss is going to result in his presidency quietly fizzing out, you haven't been paying attention. You haven't seen a spoiled toddler throw a tantrum until you've seen a spoiled toddler with a nuclear football throw a tantrum. While the race may be tighter than some Democrats would like to admit, it's still a world away from the Trump-Clinton gap we saw in 2016. This time round, Trump isn't the rebellious outsider here to shake up the system. Now, he is the system. And over the last four years, we've all seen him shit all over the floor and start finger-painting with it. 
As it currently stands, it's going to take a lot for Trump to win. Unfortunately, the GOP, under his leadership, are already showing the world that they have absolutely no shame about potentially rat-fucking their way to another Trump victory. That's rat-fucking with three Ks, by the way. You can add that to your dictionaries now and thank me later. In just the last week, we've seen yet more blatant attempts at voter suppression and a Republican Senate tripping over itself to pack the Supreme Court before Election Day. We've even had a questionable ruling from Brett Kavanaugh, everybody's favorite frat boy in a smock, that signaled his willingness to actively meddle in the election result on Trump's behalf. The rules on when absentee ballots can be counted vary from state to state, and many of them have tried to make changes to their rules to allow for safer voting in the middle of a pandemic. Republicans have repeatedly tried to challenge those changes through the courts. Wisconsin wanted to accept ballots received after Election Day, but postmarked in time, to be counted towards the result. Kavanaugh's ruling overthrows the state's decision, even in the face of Trump's deliberate disruption of the Postal Service. Kavanaugh even went so far as to suggest they could flip the results of an election, which in a way is true. If you actually count all of the votes, that does tend to end up affecting who wins. It's just that an actual democracy kind of depends on every valid vote being counted. And an actual democracy is a prospect Republicans are currently shitting themselves over. That it's even come to this in just four short years is truly incredible. No matter what the outcome in November, it's potentially going to take decades to unpick the impact of Trump's presidency and what it means for America moving forwards. Nothing demonstrates the enormous future impact of Donald Trump more than the confirmation this week of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Republicans now have a clear conservative majority in the highest court in the land, potentially for decades to come. If Kavanaugh's ruling is anything to go by, it's now become dangerously political. This was always the end game for smash-and-grab Senate Republicans like Mitch McConnell. In America, the courts are often the final say on districting and voter rights and a conservative advantage leaves them free to suppress the vote and gerrymander their way to decades more of Republican minority rule. Oh, and just to add an exclamation point to his outright shittiness, the moment Coney Barrett was confirmed, Mitch McConnell immediately dismissed the Senate until after the election. That means there will be no coronavirus relief bill and no more massive government spending until we know who the next president will be. It's a blatant move to make Biden accountable for adding to a national debt crisis that has exploded under Trump. And in the meantime, fuck it, people can starve and lose their jobs and health care. Further stimulus relief for everyday Americans now would be an easy win for Trump. He's just too fucking stupid to see that his own Senate are now actively expecting him to lose and are maneuvering themselves accordingly. If Biden wins, you can fully expect Republicans to pivot straight back to their self-appointed position as the party of fiscal responsibility. The relief package the Senate have deliberately delayed will be immediately used to club Biden over the head when he has to sign off on it. It won't be enough for Democrats to win big in 2020 
Republicans can easily endure any push for genuine reform until the midterms. And they're clearly hoping, at that point, the stink of Trump will have washed off the party name. The question is whether or not America are smart enough to see that trick coming a mile off. And when it comes to elections, Americans haven't really been all that smart recently. Not that you guys can talk. I can, though. I'm Canadian. Remember? I'm Allison June-Smith, reporting for IC News. Speaking of an incumbent political leader that becomes less coherent and likeable every single day, the Conservative government here in the UK have this week continued to struggle with the ongoing debate over child hunger. The Prime Minister himself insisted he would not be performing yet another U-turn in order to provide meal vouchers to vulnerable children over the holidays, presumably because he's still far too dizzy from the last 700 he's performed. The government have instead insisted that they've provided financial assistance to local councils, and they expect them to use that money in order to support children falling through the holes the Tories have slashed into the welfare safety net. With local councils having faced cuts of up to 60% to their budgets over the last decade of Conservative rule, that excuse quickly rung hollow, and yet more businesses and volunteers are now joining Marcus Rashford's campaign to get free meals to the kids that need them. To the untrained eye, it might look like embarrassingly needless penny-pinching and outright cruelty to punish hungry children in this way during a global pandemic. If you feel that way, however, you're missing the bigger picture and the real victims here, who are, of course, the Tories who have had their feelings hurt by the fallout from this story. Here to make the argument that the nation's hungry children need to stop whining and make something of themselves, it's our Conservative correspondent, Sebastian Forlock. Sam. Yet again, I find myself needing to express in the most sincere terms my groveling gratitude for your gallant refusal to bow down to the toxic partisanship this terrible debate has inspired. It's been one of the most upsetting weeks I've ever experienced as a true blue Tory supporter. And what more could one expect after that ghastly woman Angela Rayner labelled us as scum? in the hallowed halls of the House of Commons, no less, where nothing less than the most deferential conduct is to be expected when addressing your betters. These things have a knock-on effect, you know. This week I haven't been able to utter a word without finding myself bombarded with the most vile abuse, both online and in the street. All it takes is the mere mention of parental responsibility these days, and all of a sudden the chattering classes are up in arms. It's why I've taken the key to the dimensional gate and retreated here to Earth Alpha Echo Status Quo 22. Here, Britain continues to function as a feudalist society, and my social standing and political views are afforded the proper respect they deserve. Back home on Earth Prime, I've been called so many things over the last few days that I have made a list. I've been called a rotter, a scoundrel, a thick slab of gammon, a scumbag, a scumbucket, a child-starving Enron prick, a twat, 
a workhouse arsehole, a Dickensian cunt lord, a bootlicker, a top hat fancier, a monopoly amorous shit briefcase, an investment wanker, a prick, a hedge fund turd wizard, a moron, a disaster twatipolist, an oyster chugger, an ivory shit shower, an upper arse, a fetlock diddler, and, worst of all, out of touch. Me, a former head boy candidate who had to work his rear end off to convince father to release my trust fund to me before I'd finished studying classics. All of that abuse for no other reason than the party I support wanting the working classes in this country to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Yes, the pandemic has rather confiscated everyone's boots, but I don't see how poorly thought-out local lockdowns that plunge thousands of families into sudden and abject poverty can be called the government's fault. There's simply no excuse for the sort of abuse we Tories have endured this week. I've clutched my pearls so tightly that my hands have cramped up, and there's a dent in the fainting couch that's in desperate need of buffing out. Thankfully, though, we aren't the sort to hold a grudge. Unless, of course, you're Andy Burnham. Or the Civil Service. Or Channel 4. Or Carol Cadwallader. We Tories don't just create problems. We also provide solutions. Or rather, we outsource solutions to expensive private contractors, which is why this week I'm being paid a frankly obscene sum of money by an old chum from school who just happens to work in the government. Meritocracy, you see. It's a wonderful system. And what problem am I fixing, I hear you ask? Why, the working family's inability to budget, that's what. The suggestion that anyone in this wonderful country of ours can't just survive but thrive on the generous financial support offered by this government is a nonsensical farce. You've heard us say it before, and by Jove, we'll say it again. Proper planning prevents piss-potless poverty. You just have to budget. You have to plan. You have to put down those smartphones and cigarettes and make a list. (coughs) Number one. Always make sure you are budgeting for Brexit. It might seem unpalatable now, but pretty soon the whole country is going to have to eat shit, and that includes you. And don't forget that shit is absolutely free, provided you ignore the completely unnecessary and enormous costs to both our economy and the future prospects of an entire generation. (coughs) Number two. Never underestimate the nutritional value of boot leather. If, at any time, you and your family is struggling, simply tilt your head upwards and gnaw off as much as you can. Provided you're also licking noisily enough, chances are that the government official pressing down on your head won't even notice it's gone. Number three. Don't forget that your live-in au pair can always forage for truffles when the children are asleep. I found it absolutely staggering that so many working families never even consider this approach. And finally, number four. In a real pinch, fox meat is perfectly edible, and provided you're sticking to the rule of six when hunting them down on horseback, the ban is rarely enforced. If you do get caught, of course, don't forget that one phone call to father can usually get you out of a pinch. Actually, I can't believe I've forgotten that. Number five. Don't be ashamed 
about turning to your wealthy parents for support. We do, after all, have viscounts and baronesses in this country for a reason. <laughs> just follow these simple, everyday, working-class tips for success, just like I do, and you'll no doubt realise that this class struggle the horrible naysayers in Labour keep talking about is just pure fabrication. <laughs> Out of touch, me. Honestly, how wrong could they be? I'm a man of the people just like the Chancellor and the Prime Minister. Oh look, here come the people now, walking up to the gates of my estate. And how wonderful, they've brought torches and pitchforks. See Britain, there's the can-do attitude those hungry children have been missing. This lot are clearly here to do some nighttime gardening. Self-sufficiency, that's what it's all about. No more hand-holding for this lot. I'm Sebastian Forlock, and I shot this pheasant myself, reporting for IC News. <laughs> Come on in, everybody. There's cake for all of you. Investment wanker. Classic. Ooh, uh, Mary Contoinette. There's another one. See, there's just no need to keep calling these people scum, is there? If nothing else, it's just not very imaginative. Sebastian's report brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. We'll see you again next week, but for now, we leave you with the headlines you may have missed. Under new impartiality rules set out by the Director General of the BBC, LGBTQ reporters worry that they may be banned from attending Pride events in order to avoid accusations of bias. It's only fair, people used to be proud to work for the BBC, and it looks like Tim Davey wants to stamp that out as well. The government cuts its laptop allocation for children in deprived areas, because the kids using them kept getting sad after googling what food looks like. Well, shoppers are left outraged after women find themselves unable to buy tampons during the firebreak. In response, the Welsh Labour government claimed that after shutting pubs and bars, they wanted to leave people with at least one way to paint the town red. And finally, Sky cancels its carpentry series The Chop over the controversy surrounding one of its contestants' racist face tattoos. It's probably for the best, given that in episode 3, the challenge was to make a giant wooden cross. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.